Amen. You can be seated. Church, we're really blessed to have Pastor Andrew coming to bring the word to us this morning. Andrew looks after our missions area, our families ministry, and our men's ministry. He is a huge blessing to us as a church, together with his wife, Natalie. Could you make, the, make Andrew feel really welcome as he comes to share? Awesome. Well, thanks, Nathan, and uh, it's a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, continuing in our series in Galatians, for those that are new today or visiting, uh, we're in a series of, in Galatians, and today we're looking at chapter three. Uh, one of the reasons I love Galatians is that it's for all people. Uh, if you are searching faith, you're not sure if God is real, you're just seeking, you're asking questions, Galatians is great. Because Galatians gives us this snapshot, the core of the, the gospel message, of the message of Jesus. It's found in Galatians. So Galatians is for you. If you've been a Christian all of your life, you've grown up in church, uh, this is a message actually written to Christians. Actually, Paul writes it as a warning. It's a warning to Christians and so if you're a Christian, you've been on the journey a long time or a short time, this, this chapter, this message is for you. It's for all people. And as we read this chapter today, chapter three, there's one thing you'll realize quite quickly. It is all about faith. It's all about faith. In, in the 14 verses I'll read in a moment, 10 times the word faith or believe uh, are mentioned. It's about faith. So before we even read it, I want to define faith. And faith is to have complete trust in someone or something. Now, faith is not just a religious term. Faith is something we are doing all the time. We are always putting faith in people or things. Uh, a little while ago, I had to go to the airport, and I rang an Uber and organized an Uber lift. And as I got into that car, I trusted that Uber driver that they would take me to the airport. I didn't know the man. I didn't know his car. But I put my faith in him. I didn't think about it at the time. But at any point, he could have just decided to ride on the wrong side of the road, head on with someone. But my life was in his hands. I was trusting him. We, I put my faith in him. There's a few things I want us to notice about faith. You all put faith right now in a chair. A chair holds us up. And we put our faith in our chair. Faith is directional. It's been put into something. So as I sit in this chair, I am putting my faith in it to hold me up. And there's a moment, actually, there's a moment when I'm, I'm, I have faith in my, my feet now to hold me up. But there is a moment where I, I actually let go of the trust of my feet and I rest fully trusting this chair to hold me up. It's faith. I'm putting my faith in this chair. And 10 times Paul worked, speaks about faith. And he says there are two ways we can live our life. And I want to say to you today, there are two ways that you can live your life. And it depends the direction of your faith, what you are putting your faith in. And throughout this passage, there'll be two things. You'll see that he speaks of the works of the law or our efforts, what I have done. You'll see that he speaks of that. Just gonna put that next to this chair here. And he will speak about the crucified Christ. 
Christ crucified, the work of Christ. He'll speak of that. He'll say, that's another option. You can put your faith in what Christ has done. Two directions of faith. So let's have a look at this passage, and you'll see I've color-coded a little bit just to help you see the different parts. If it's speaking of, if it's red, it's what Christ has done. Uh, If it's yellow, it's the works of the law. It's what we can do or the law, by following the law, we will do. If it's in blue, it's speaking about faith and belief, what we're trusting. And if it's green, it means what comes from that faith in Christ. What's the result of when we put faith in Christ? So let's have a look at it. Uh, Hopefully the, the colors won't distract you too much. Paul says, he says, you foolish Galatians, Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Red, that's the work of Christ. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you had heard, what you'd heard about Jesus? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by your believing what you heard about Christ? So also Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the work of the law are under a curse. It is written, cursed is everyone who does, who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. What we can do to try and fulfill the law. Clearly no one relies on the law is justified by God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, meaning all people, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. There's our passage today. Do you hear hear his start there? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who who has tricked you? Who has got you going in the wrong direction? I liked one of the translations there. It said, oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. It said, surely you can't be so idiotic, is the way it translated. But what this is, it's a serious intervention by Paul. This, This is serious. It's like a father loving their kid and seeing them go on the road. He's like, no, come back. And Paul is saying to this church in Galatia, you've gone in the wrong direction. You're foolish. How have you been tricked? He's serious. It's like means everything to him because this is the core and the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's the core and the heart of the Christian experience right here. 
And he says, before your very eyes, Christ was portrayed as crucified. He said, when I came to plant the church there in Galatia, I preached Jesus crucified. I shared this amazing message that God so loved the world that he sent his son. God came in flesh and he died on a cross for you. He died to take away the sins of the world. He died to reconcile the world back to himself, to to restore a broken world. This is the message I preached. It was about what Jesus did when he came and died and then rose again. That's what I preached. I preached Christ crucified. And he said, as I preached that message, when I was among you, you heard that message, you listened, and you put your faith in that message. You trusted God. You trusted the work that Jesus had done on your behalf. You trusted him. And he said, when you did that, when you trusted Jesus and what he had done, in verse two he says, you received the Holy Spirit. God's presence coming into your life. In verse five it says, God gave you the Holy Spirit. In verse seven it says, you were justified. It's like, just if I'd never sinned, God saw me without any sin. My sin was taken away, I was right with God because... I had trusted, or you, in this case, you had trusted the work of Christ. That's the message. He says that's, that's how you receive the blessings of God. That's how miracles were being worked among you because you trusted in Christ and what he had done. What did they do, I ask? What did the Galatians do? Nothing. They just trusted. The Galatians just received what God had graciously done for them. Some might think this is too good to be true. I mean, is that all? Is, is that all you have to do is just trust Jesus, just receive from Jesus? If, if I had a, an Uncle Jack, let's say Uncle Jack promised me, uh, he's, he's a very rich and honorable man, Uncle Jack. He's $10 million. He said, if your friend comes to me, I will give them $10 million. I tell you, I say, if you go to my Uncle Jack, he will give you $10 million. Now, Jack's honorable, Jack's rich. He can hold up his part of the bargain. The only way you won't get your $10 million is if you don't believe me. If you don't trust me, say, Andrew, I don't believe you. I'm just going to go home. But if you believe me and you put that belief into action and you trust me, you go and receive the $10 million. You might think, isn't it too easy for us just to believe and to trust Jesus and receive all of these blessings? Well, this is the gospel. This is the good news. That's why it is the best news in the world that we can receive eternal life. We can receive forgiveness. We can be made right with God because of what he has done for us. And all we have to do is receive and believe and trust in Jesus. That is the good news. And that is why this letter is written because there are others, the Judaizers, who came and said, it can't be that easy. I mean, yeah, Jesus has died, but, but surely you've got to do something. <laughs> You know, like, get your life together. Like, like, follow the law and be a good person and be circumcised. 
you know, it's not just Jesus. Follow the, the law as well, or Jesus plus the law. And then you, and Paul's saying, no. <laughs> he said, don't think like that. Who's bewitched you? Clearly, Christ was crucified. Clearly, it is finished. Clearly, all of his work has been done. That's how we are right with God. Don't add to it. Don't trust in what you've done. I've chosen this small chair because it's quite insignificant to this one. Um, it was also the only small chair I could get with three legs, and it's not really going to hold me up if I sit in it, in my garage. But it represents trusting in our own works. And, and Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't trust in these things. But you know what? Sadly, 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 many of us are like the Galatian church. We experience Jesus, we experience forgiveness of God. The Spirit comes into our life. We have new life in him. We, we know we are saved by grace. But then there is this little lie within our heads that like, okay, now it's up to me. As I continue, you know, God's done so much for me. Now I've just got to work hard and get my life together and do all the right things. And then God will love me. That's how I continue in the Christian walk. I remember when I first came to faith, I experienced Jesus, you know, all of that. Like the Spirit came into my life. I knew I was forgiven. Amazing. And I was so passionate about Jesus. And I knew what to do. I mean, I, I got up early and prayed. And I read the Bible. And I went to church. And I served. And I did all the right things as a young guy. I was like so passionate and keen. And while that discipline was there, while my energy and motivation were there, like I was going good. But if it wasn't, if I wasn't doing all of these good works, my efforts, I felt far from God. I mean, surely God wouldn't bless me if I didn't pray. Surely if I'm not right reading the Bible and doing all the right things, like I don't deserve God's blessing or his goodness, like why would he? Do you, see, do you see how I was going up and down and it was all because I was trusting in my good work? Emotionally, I was up and down. Spiritually, I was up and down because it was all about me. It was all about what I was doing, not Christ. It's subtle. It's in, internally in our hearts. Like If you asked me, I probably would have said, no, no, Jesus, it's only Jesus, only Jesus. Saved. But in my heart, the way I was living it, outworking that, it was like, the favour of God comes when I do all the right things. And sadly, we find ourselves in that position where we're trusting what we're doing rather than the work of Christ. And Paul in this letter is saying, no, don't live that way. That is not the gospel. That is not the way of God. <laughs> he says, Look, come onto this chair. Come and trust Jesus. And, and here you'll be able to sit and you'll... Oh, even when I'm at the worst, I know God loves me. God loves me. I've just had the worst day. I'm actually, I've actually, I'm still in sin. There's this addiction in my life, and I st but God still loves me. There's forgiveness. Not because of what I've done, because I'm trusting Jesus. I've had the worst day in the world, but I know God is with me. Not because I feel good, but because... Of Jesus, and I'm trusting in Jesus. I, I could do all the right things, and it doesn't matter because I'm in Jesus. And, and, and I could have 
doesn't matter what situations and circumstances have in my life, I am secure as I trust in Jesus. Do you see the difference in that? Do you see the strength in that? Do you see the life in that, the security in that, the peace in that, in the deepest parts of our life, in our heart, that we are loved by God because he loved us and we are secure in him. It's a place of strength. As I read one of the commentaries, it even says that in, in this place, as we trust in God, we put our trust in Christ, and the work of Christ, God actually smiles over us. What do you think about that? God's smiling over you. What do you think? How does that make you feel that God smiles over you? You know what made me think? It made me sort of feel a bit uncomfortable in a way. I was like, God smiles over me? Even in my brokenness, even in my, like, I stuff up, I'm, I don't do all the right things, but he smiles over me. Like, what? Do you see my thinking there? Like, what am I trusting? I'm trusting in me. Not in who I am in Christ. But the reality is God smiles over us. He loves us, not because we have it together, but because we're in Christ. We put our trust in him. He smiles over us. Sometimes we can view God like a basketball coach. A basketball coach, you'll see they might have the clipboard. That might be a picture of NFL, actually, or football, the same thing. They have the clipboard. They'll have um, their plan. This is the plan. This is what we're going to roll out. Uh, there it is. On, onto the court or onto the field you go. And this is our plan, okay. So while we're playing and we're living and while we're ticking the boxes, we're doing what the coach wants. We look over at the coach and he's like, yes, come on, Andrew, that was awesome. That's exactly what we planned. That's great. I feel good. It's great. But then there are these moments when I don't follow the plan. There are plenty of moments when I don't do what the coach Thinks. And I look over the coach, and there he is. He's like, no, get to the left, get to the right, pull your socks up, get your act together. And sometimes in the Christian life, we feel like that. We feel like we can never do enough. We're never quite there. We can never please the coach enough. We can never please God. And, like, and we have these moments where, okay, I'm going to try harder. I know, but come on, I, I can be more disciplined. I can do it. I'll get it together. And then the coach will love me, or God will love me, or God will bless me. It's so subtle, but sometimes we live in this way, where we feel that God's picture of us is determined by what I do or don't do. Some people might feel like, if God's the coach, then you're on the bench, you don't even make the team, because, I mean, you have really stuffed up. And that's how you feel. God is distant or God has turned his back or God's not interested in you. Well, I want to tell you it's not true. That's a lie. God loves you and God is drawing you and God wants you on his team and it's not because you've got your life together because he loves you. He loves you and he just wants to, you to come to him and find life in him. It's a different way of living and you might have been a Christian for many, many years, 
but feel the weight of that law, weight of having to please God, that weight of striving, as Jono said. And in this chapter, it says this is, it's like a curse, it's like a burden that weighs us down. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it's written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. That way is tough. If we're trusting or see God in this way, it's like striving and never making. It's like a burden that breaks us. And I tell you, like if you go on like that, and as I did as a young person, you have your ups and downs, you feel you're good, you feel you're bad. You know, what you become is dejected. You might have even given up. Like I've given up trying to please God. But I want to tell you there's a different way to live, not trusting in what you do, but just receiving, receiving what Christ has done for you and living out of that. Because he goes on to say there are two ways to live, live by the flesh or live by the spirit. I'm going to just call it here manufacturing grace or receiving grace. What do I mean by that? We can either manufacture grace or receive grace. It's like... This chair, we're manufacturing grace. I mean, like, if I pray really hard, you know, if I, if I really read my Bible, surely God will bless me. And sometimes all these good works are like just a way of twisting God's arm to say, God, surely if I go to church, you'll help me sort out my problems. Or surely if I do all these things, you'll sort out my problems. It's like a way of manufacturing grace. It's mechanical. It's like if I do A plus B plus C plus D, God's grace will come into my life. And we can live like this and Paul say, no. <laughs> it's all about receiving grace. You don't have to manufacture grace. Grace is just coming for you. God loves you. It's in his heart that he loves you. You don't have to manufacture it. Just receive it. <laughs> receive it in Jesus. Just receive it. Sometimes I go up to the gym and I'm on a treadmill and running on the treadmill, and that doesn't take too long, actually, unfortunately, before I'm breathing pretty heavily. Actually, towards the end of the run, I don't know if you've ever had that, I'm wondering if people are actually hearing me, my noises, like, oh, like I'm panting. And uh, is he going to fall off? Please don't let him fall off the treadmill. But I'm breathing heavy. I want to tell you, in that moment, I don't have to manufacture oxygen. The oxygen is in the air. I just have to breathe it in. As you live your Christian life, you don't have to manufacture God's grace in your life. You just have to breathe it in. You just have to look to him, say, God, you are my father. You love me, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done for me. I can expect and receive your grace just because of who you are. And just breathe it in. I want to tell you, God is for you and he's not against you. He loves you as a father and he wants to do good for you. Don't feel like you have to work to twist his arm to do good for you. He wants to pour out his grace upon our lives. We live um, in two different ways and that way, despite you can do the same Christian like performances and things, but one is, you know, prayer is just, it's not to, to try and get God to do what we want. It's prayer becomes just this 
reception of grace. Lord, I know I can't do anything and I'm coming to you because I need your grace. Reading the Bible, Lord, because I need to hear you, I need to know your ways. It's not because you know, we're trying to earn favor, but we just want to receive his grace. This is where you find freedom. This is where we find life. This is the Christian life coming out of grace rather than the same, actual same behaviors can come out of a form of works. It's like two ways to live. You either live, Paul says, in the flesh or you live in the spirit. Now, some of you might be wondering, you can pray for me right now because this could be dangerous, but I've got a tandem bike here and I want to just illustrate two different ways that we can live. We can live by the flesh or we can live by the spirit. Now, the first way, living by the flesh, I'm going to jump on the front seat here. Pray for me. Yep, good. I'm riding the bike. This is my life and I'm in control. I mean, I've got control. I'm doing the work. I might actually invite God. God, you can come into my life, but just take a seat there. That's all good. Just get on the back there, got it. I mean, it would be good, wouldn't it? Like, it'd be awesome if, if I'm pedaling. How good would it be God pedaling? Like, that would be amazing. Uh, we might just go this way. Hey, God, like, we'll go this way. Like, I'll just turn the direction I want to go. Lord, you just pedal, push me where I want to go. God, yep, yep, that's good. Oh, God, uh, you say you want me to forgive that person that's really hurt me. <laughs> oh, actually, no, we'll, no, we will just go my way. I'm not sure about that. Oh, God, you're saying you, you want me to, to step out in faith and love those people and actually sacrifice to love? Oh, gee, I'm, that's a bit scary, God. No, I think we'll just keep going this way, Lord. Yep, I'll just uh, keep doing things. Oh, God, why aren't you pushing? Like, I mean, why aren't you doing what I'm sort of telling you to do? Like, come on, help me, God. We live a life in the flesh. It's like all about us. It's all from us. It's by us. It's we're led by ourselves. We're doing what we want. And we ask God to join us on that journey. But let me tell you something else. There is a way of living life that is by the Spirit. And this is where we get on the back seat. Can you see the difference of the posture immediately? Immediately we start from a point and say, God, I cannot do this. God, I cannot do life by myself. Lord, I need you. We start in the back seat. We put God in the front seat. God is the captain. God is the king. And, and I can do nothing, God. I'm dependent. I'm surrendered to you. Wherever you take me, Lord, that's where I want to go. And you begin to just keep your eyes fixed on God. Okay, God, let's go. Wow, this is pretty easy. God, you're pedaling and I'm just sort of following. Like, actually, I feel like you're just taking me somewhere here. Jesus, by the Spirit, like you're just leading me. Oh, God, you want me to forgive that person that really hurt me? Oh, God, that's going to be hard. I mean, that's going to be really hard, but Lord, I can't do it. Well, Andrew, I never said you could. You can't do it, but, but let me help you, Andrew. Let's go and forgive that person. I'll help. I'll change your heart. I'll, I'll meet you in that. And you go and forgive that person. Okay, God, I'm bit, I'll follow the Lord, I'll follow you. Oh, Andrew, I, I want you to step out in faith and love those people and get out of your comfort zone. And Oh, God, this is scary. I mean, God, there's so many people better qualified than me. Like, look at me, I can't do that. Yeah, I know, I know you can't do it. I can, though. Do you trust me? 
Do you want to put your faith in me, Andrew, or do you want to just put your, your faith in what you want to do? But God, look, that's, that's really scary. Andrew, I'm going to be with you. Look, look, I'm with you. I'll lead you. You just follow. Can you see? Like, I'm doing the work. You just follow. Trust. Trust me, Andrew. I tell you, that is a very, very different way of living our life, and that is the Christian life. That's what Paul is saying. He said, don't do it. Don't trust in your own works. Don't do the Christian life where it's all about you. But surrender. You want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in your life. It starts with surrender. It starts with trusting in what Jesus has done. It starts by looking at what he can do and not what I can do. Do you want that? God wants us to live in freedom in this way. This week, or last week, actually, one of the young adults experienced something of this. Courtney works in a police station, uh, just a police office, actually, and um, she knew that Andrew Scipioni was speaking at our breakfast, and she thought, you know, she knows she's in that office for a reason. It's not just about her. She's, she's on mission. She's like, oh, who can I invite to this, this breakfast? And she invited two people, and they weren't interested at all. But then one night, she had a dream. She had this dream of actually giving an invitation to another sergeant in her office. And she thought, oh, okay, God. I'm not sure that he would be interested, but okay, by faith, I'm going to give him an invitation. So she actually sent the, the email or the invitation online, just in an email to this sergeant. And uh, the sergeant responded and said, wow, I used to work with Andrew Scipioni. Fancy that. Courtney didn't know that. Fancy that. I used to work with Andrew Scipioni. That'd be interesting. Courtney said, I'll buy you the ticket. She bought the ticket and this sergeant was going to go to the breakfast and she thought, I might ask my dad as well. My dad doesn't usually go to these events, so she invited her dad. And he also went and she thought, oh, how can I connect these guys? I'll give them a photo and maybe they'll meet there somewhere, somehow. And just so happened that then as they got tea or coffee, they looked at each other's name. Oh, are you, are you the sergeant that my daughter dragged along to this? And he said, yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, you're Courtney's dad. Oh, let's sit down together. And they enjoyed the, the breakfast together. And then it just so happened that that afternoon when Courtney was walking near Kmart at Aspley Hypermarket that she saw the daughter and the wife of the sergeant that she'd invited. Just so happened. And they said, thank you. You're, you're the young lady that invited my husband to that breakfast this morning. Let me tell you, he loved it. He, he came home with a tear in his eye. And Courtney had known the daughter because she'd um, met her at Red Frogs and served her at Red Frogs as well. And then later, the sergeant actually emailed Courtney and said, thanks so much for inviting me to that breakfast. I had a, an epiphany that will last me all of my life. Now, I'm not sure what that means, but God was speaking to him. Now, whose story is that? Like, that is God all over, isn't it? God gave Courtney the dream. God knew that that guy had worked with Andrew Scipioni before. God connected her father and the, the guy. God 
made Courtney run into these. God is all over it. What did Courtney do? Well, she did. She was available and she trusted God every step of the way and relied on his grace. She couldn't even go. I mean, she couldn't go. How much out of her control was it? Like, God was working. And this is the life that God calls us to live, to live by the Spirit. This is living. When we get in the back seat and we begin to live out of the grace of God, not trusting in our own works, when we start to see God, keep our eyes fixed on God and receive His grace and actually stop trusting in what we can do, Letting go of that as I have to let go of my feet and just, okay, now I'm trusting in your work. Let go of what we can offer and just trust purely in God's grace. And I want to tell you, he is wanting to pour it out. Like the air that we breathe, his grace is available for us. Just we finish and I pray, I just wonder if you stand with me uh, this morning as I pray over us as a church, that God would help us live in this way. Let me just pray with me. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are a God of grace. I want to thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And it's enough. It is a finished work. I want to thank you, God, that we can put our faith and our trust in you. Thank you, God, that it doesn't depend upon us. And Lord, now I ask, I really do, Lord, I ask that you help us to turn away from trusting in our own efforts. Lord, we want to live by your Spirit. I want to pray, Lord God, different ones of us in different seasons, maybe in a season now, who feel like we are just on a treadmill. Can never do enough to please God, never really feel like God loves them. Maybe the idea of God smiling over them or blessing them just graciously is just foreign, Lord. I want to pray, God, that you would shift our focus, shift our attention, shift the way that we live, that we would listen and heed this new way to live. I just want to ask if, if that's you, if, if, if today you want to say to God, I've heard, Lord, you're speaking to me. You just know it's to, to you. That in some way you either haven't comprehended the fullness of God's grace or for whatever reason you feel like you're doing the Christian life in your own strength. And it's hard. <laughs> you either feel like giving up, maybe you have given up. But any sense of God's grace and love and favour is not there. I want to ask you just raise your hand just as a good knowledge of that and that, that you would turn from that to receive his grace. There's a response here and it's turning away from your own efforts and just receiving. And sometimes even that receiving is hard. How God could you love me even though I'm not worthy? So there's two things for you this one. Turn away from your own efforts and look at Jesus, look at his grace and receive his grace. 
If you're saying that to God, this is how I wanna respond. Just put your hands up and I wanna pray for you today. Just raise your hands where you are. We're gonna ask that God would set us free from these things. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would set us free from trusting in our own efforts, believing in our own efforts and trusting in your grace. Lord, we wanna turn away from that, God. You know, we long to live the spirit-filled life where we see you at work changing us, making us more like Jesus, impacting. But Lord, we have to give up on our efforts. I pray for each one with their hands raised. And actually, there's another prayer I wanna pray for, for those who you feel you've been on the front seat of that bike. If you, if you know you've been on the front seat of the bike, you're living life just wanting it to have control. You set the directions and maybe you even know God has been asking you to move in different ways or do different things, but either you're fearful or whatever it is, you just wanna maintain control. And today is a call for surrender for, for all of us, but maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and, and saying, give up. Give up control of your life and surrender. I can do a much better job. Trust, trust me, let go. Trust me with the plans for your life. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand again. I wanna pray for you. Lord, help us live in that place of surrender. Help these ones Live in that place of surrender where you're king, you're captain. Lord, as a church, bring us to a place of surrender. Less of us and more of you, we pray. The world needs you, not us. <laughs> it doesn't need me, it needs you, Lord. Lord, help us, help us get off that front seat and enjoy life and rest and receive what you're doing and follow this, the Spirit in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to continue to worship and it is a song about God's great love for us. The Father's love, how great it is. And as we sing that, you might want to stay there and just receive that love. This is a message about just receiving graciously God's love for us. But I also just want to say, if God has been speaking to you, I encourage you, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to even walk from where you're sitting today as a sign of I'm walking away from trusting my own efforts or for me being in control and just ask for prayer here. Ask for God to help you on that journey. If you would like prayer for that as you respond to His Word in this song, just come. Come and ask for prayer, whatever God's been saying to you. Uh, and He will continue to give you grace to what He's calling you to. Let's worship together. It really is the best news in all the world, isn't it? It's incredible truth. If you're here this morning and this is new for you, this message, the good news of the gospel, I want to encourage you. Um, just to take an opportunity to grab hold of one of these Bible gift packs. They're available at the information table. I'll be down the front here as well. If you came with someone, just tell them, hey, I want to grab that this morning. That spoke to me. In here is a Bible and some information to help you on your journey. 
I really want to recommend the Alpha course to you as well. But this message, if you've never had that moment yet of placing your faith and trust, sitting in that chair saying, Jesus, I trust in you, and saying, God, I want you in the front seat of my life. You've never had that moment. is the most life-transforming decision you'll ever make in your life. And come and grab one of these or come and talk to one of us today. We'd love to pray with you. Let me pray for us as we close our service. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this good news, Lord. It's incredible, incredible, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we don't have to do the journey of life alone, but you have come because you want to lead us. You want to direct us. You created us. You know us better than anyone else, and you want to reveal your love. You want to reveal your saving power to us. And so for each and every one of us, wherever we are on the journey with you, Lord God, I pray that today would be one of those defining moments where again we say, Lord, we're trusting you. We're looking to you. We want to follow you with all of our hearts, great God. And so I pray this now. Bless each one from the youngest to the oldest, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer too, some of our prayer to be down the front. They'd love to pray for you. Our welcome lounge across the courtyard as well. God bless.